things I want to ask you I know we don't have a lot of time so I'm going to try to just calm down and just like focus and the first thing I want to talk about in general is just um, solo practice all right and other than the instruments you were using the different instruments you're using tonight how much of uh, what you got into tonight had uh, some kind of compositional structure did you go into it specifically let's say in the drum set did you walk in and improvise freely, or did you have any kind of compositional structure behind what you were doing, or? Yes and no. Okay, right on. <laughs> no, so part of it is, for me, is having uh, ideas that I've been floating around and, and working them out. And part of it is just improvising, you know, not knowing what I'm going to do. So you know it's a fine balance totally. to figure out how that how that works. Um, for for me, what really makes a successful performance or gig is when I'm playing something and I surprise myself. I play something that I don't know I'm going to do. For me, that that's a good gig. Yeah. And and what what's really. Uh, <laughs> A bad gig is when I just go into my comfort zone and I'm like, oh, I'm just playing, you know, something that I've done a million times before. And, you know, it's challenging to, to get outside of what you normally do, whatever the context is. So, right. You know. Right. On. Well, it sounded like a really nice gig tonight. It sounded like, to me, it was really strong and it sounded like you did surprise yourself. I did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you sounded really comfortable in the solo format. When do you, if you could remember, when was your first solo concert? It wasn't that long ago, and it was, oh, it was wow. a very, it was a very interesting situation. Well, this really was my first solo concert where I wasn't collaborating with anybody. Tonight? Tonight, yeah. Wow. But <laughs> damn, it didn't sound like it. <laughs> But I was doing, I, I've been working with a, a visual artist and uh, we collaborate where she, she hooks up uh, 
See, she came up with a program where the drums are have triggers on them, and it works on frequency. And whenever I a certain frequency is hit, then these light projections are uh, projected on the the walls. And so we we've done performances all over. We we played at the MoMA in New York and oh, wow. uh, in Frankfurt and in. Uh, um, France, uh, and so the, our first show at the MoMA, it's the first time I was just playing by myself, it was in front of like 300 people, my daughter <laughs> was there, <laughs> she was there, and I was like, wow, okay, this is an interesting way to start playing solo, you know. Your first I, solo concert I mean, was it was 300 people at <laughs> yeah, MoMA. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was well, in front of two people at Myopic Books. <laughs> But again, Carry on. But, but it wasn't. Really, it wasn't really solo because I'm. I am. You're still looking at, I'm. Coll- I'm looking yeah. at the. Yeah. You know. So this was really the first time where I just played. By you know, by myself. Wow, oh, it sounded really great, and I'm super happy it was recorded. Me too. Yeah, yeah fantastic, really fantastic, and I hope you continue playing solo concerts. Well, I think you got a thing now, Tim, where you sort of get people. This is about you, not about me. (laughs) (laughs) But you're getting people to come in here playing solo, you know, for the first time. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 my whole plan. It's just to get every drummer that I love to come here and play solo. It's completely selfish motives. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Maybe we can back up a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, and if any question I ask you, you don't want to answer, just say pass, and you don't have to answer. Like James Comey. Exactly. No, <laughs> let's not, please. This is a positive thing. We're about music tonight. I want to ask about your early experiences in Chicago. Yep. So you're from Arizona originally, correct? 
I was born in Arizona. Born in Arizona. You moved to Chicago at an early age. When I was 10. Okay. Yep. You moved to Chicago, and you started on guitar, correct? Classical guitar? I did, yeah. I had uh, this idea of being a classical guitarist. Now, other than the drums being <laughs> the best instrument in the world, and other than the obvious reason of why you'd switch to drums, because they're the best, why did you switch from classical guitar to drums? And do you still, actually, do you still play or compose on classical guitar? Uh, well, you know, I started playing drums in, in Chicago, got into jazz music, but the way, it was a hobby. It wasn't something, I was like, okay, this is great, I love it, it's fun, but I'm a classical guitarist, this mm -hmm. is what, you know. And I went to music school for classical guitar, and every week we had to do a recital in front of all the students and staff. And one day I just freaked out. I was like, I, what am I doing? What is this? <laughs> you know, I, I had the music in front of me and I couldn't play it and everything. It just didn't look right. I was like, I, I don't like this. And I stopped going to class and I would hang out in the library and I put on records and I heard uh, uh, Untitled Tango. Oh my God. That uh, air record, the Henry Threadgill. And I was like, okay, this is what I this is what I want to do. And so I I went to New York and uh, went to music school there. And, and then I was like, okay, you know what? To drums, jazz, that's that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then you stopped on the guitar completely at that point. I stopped completely. Yeah. I mean, I still use it to write music. Right on. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I don't play it anymore. Yeah. Wow. And this was at the new school? Yeah, I went to the new school. Yeah. Was Michael Carvin one of the teachers? Uh, he was, yeah. I, any, any, oh, I don't want to. I don't okay. know. I don't want to tell him. Okay, it's all good. It's all good. I was just gonna, like I said, you can say pass. Pass. You gonna pass on Michael? You gonna pass on Michael Carvin? No problem. No problem. No problem. No problem at all. Um, but then you were in the new school, and after you school in New York, did you come right back to Chicago after that? Well, you know, I got out of music school, and you know, my mom, my parents were like, okay. You know, congratulations, you got your degree, good luck. You know, there wasn't, there was no, like, coming back home or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I tried to make it work. I, I got a job in uh, Union Square Wines and Liquors, like, doing, uh, shelving the, the wine and doing deliveries and stuff. I was doing that five days a week. Mm -hmm. And I was also performing almost every night, little gigs. Yeah. And I still couldn't pay the rent, you know. So this I, is New York, this right? This is New York, yeah. And so I Got tried it. doing that for like three years, and I was like, you know what? I need to move back to Chicago. <laughs> right on. Right on. And so I moved not, uh, just a few blocks from here. Really? Yeah, uh, Winona mm -hmm. and uh, like Clark with uh, Josh Abrams. And yeah, that's actually, when I moved back, is when things started to really... Uh, pick up for me creatively and okay. instead of doing a lot more a lot more things and at that period was it when you started collaborating with Rob Mazurik or did you already know Rob before that oh I knew Rob way before that I mean Ted Cerrone here he can he can remember these, these, these days <laughs> with, with Rob Rob when I first knew Rob he was playing you know he'd, he'd come to the gig and he'd have on the the tie and the Careful, this is being recorded. I guess I'll get it. I don't know. I, 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 you know. And 
Yeah, he sounded great, but he he was playing more standards and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I said, yeah, I met Rob when I was fifteen, and we started, we played our first gig together when I was sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, actually, that's another question I wanted to ask you. You're extremely versatile. You play with a lot of different musicians and a lot of different styles of music. But when you were getting started on the drums, were you? did you have more of a focused idea of what you wanted to do stylistically? For example, were you going to the new school because you really wanted to study traditional jazz drumming? Or did you already have multiple interests in music when you were younger? Or did it kind of just kind of change organically as you got more involved in yeah, it, it all, uh, I had different phases, you know, where mm-hmm. I was into a certain type of style or, and, and not. But mm-hmm. I really resented New York in that New York is an environment where you have to really focus on one thing and that's it if you want to be successful. It's like you have to do this one specific. Is that because there's just so many more musicians playing in every different style? I don't know why it is. It's Mm -hmm. just the way it is. It's just very, well, that has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very competitive. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the way that, in order to get media attention and, you know, you have to just do this one thing. Where in Chicago, I always thought, you just play music. You play right. everything. Right. I mean, I mean Chicago's a working town. I mean, we, 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 you know, we play the gig. We work and, and do what we got to do. Totally. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind talking about the Embura a little bit. Am I pronouncing it right? The Embura? Yeah. yeah. That's right. So you studied, and you already told me your teacher's name, but I'm not going to try to butcher his pronunciation. Garakaya Tirikoti. Garakaya Tirikoti. Tirikoti. Yeah. And where, when did you get interested in the Embura? How did you get interested in it, and how did you meet your teacher? Uh, the, the first time I started playing, or the first time I saw Embura was with Pharaoh Sanders. Mm-hmm. And it was a bass player named Steve Neal who was playing Embera. 
and uh, <coughs> I talked to him after the gig and we became friends and he showed me a few things. And then uh, years later, I, uh, you know, I, I found out about this master and beer player coming from Zimbabwe to New York. And so I got a, a private lesson with him and that was just like a mind-blowing experience. I mean, I don't know why I continue to play the Mbira because basically he 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 was such a master of the Mbira. I almost think of like if I was a saxophone player taking a lesson from John Coltrane or something. It was, mm -hmm. it was right. just like right. Right. ridiculous. Right. But yet he was he had enough patience with me to show me you know a few things and. And uh, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna stick with this guy. And from that one lesson, I've got enough material to work on for a lifetime. <laughs> okay. right on. So I've never really had, I mean, we've done some collaboration, but that was really the only lesson. I never needed to have another <laughs> lesson <laughs> <laughs> because I'm still trying to work on the stuff from lesson number one. Fantastic. Um, a little bit of a strange question and you don't have to answer it but do you when you sit down to practice drums do you practice improvising because I don't well I practice like technical things and I play to records but I very rarely practice improvising yeah well practicing is something that I I don't get a chance to, I don't get to do a lot of practicing um, but when I do get to to the drums <clears throat> i just try to focus my energy on what what i'm trying to accomplish for, you right. know like a very specific goal right and you know that's it and you know funny story when i when i was at when i first went to new york and i was at the new school there are all these amazing drummers i was in school for like ollie jackson Wynton marcellus's uh drummer just a lot of a lot of great drummers and you go to the practice room and everyone just sounds great you know everyone's just like playing i was like man what am i even doing in this school <laughs> it's like there's, there's nothing i can do to sound you know and it took me many years to realize that these guys weren't practicing really you know you're not supposed to sound good when you're practicing they're practicing stuff they already know how yeah, to play real well yeah you know, you're just doing your thing you know it's like i got a couple hours okay and it took me a long, long time to realize you know practicing you're supposed to sound awful <laughs> you know and they, like the best practicing you Absolutely. do is when yeah. you like work on some stuff and you you work on the weakest your weak points. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the and most I, uncomfortable thing to work on. Yeah, least. yeah. And I, and I still, I mean, not that long ago, I still take lessons with, with people. I took a, last, a lesson with um, Dan Weiss. Oh, wow. You guys know who Dan Weiss is? Mm -hmm. He was just in town, I think, Monday or something. Oh, yeah. Was he? Yeah. And he sat down with me, and um, he's like, yeah, just play a solo. And I play, he's like, I played Evidence. I was like, what am I supposed to play? I guess Evidence, that's the most obvious thing to play. So I'm playing Evidence. And he's like, okay, that's great. Now, I want you to play Evidence and play your whole solo just playing eighth notes. And I was like, huh? 
okay. And I tried to do it, and I was like, what? I can't, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. You know, it's like the yeah. most basic, simple thing. Yeah. You know, but that's the sort of thing. Like, you work on the we- like the very weakness in your playing, and, and you uh, strengthen it up. Yeah. I'm finding the hardest thing to do on drums is to play all four limbs in unison. Yeah. Really, I mean, that's yeah. a, I'm not trying to think it's really like hard to play really with a lot of feeling, yeah. something with all four limbs and play with a lot of feeling and play it in unison. As soon as I master that, I'll move on to something else. But. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, maybe just one more question and then we'll ask the audience if they have any questions. Um, my favorite drummer in the world is Dennis Charles, and you had a chance to hang out with him a little bit, I understand. I thought you told me you did have a chance to. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny you bring up Dennis Charles because he's a big influence on me, and I actually was thinking about him all during this performance. Really? Yeah. Okay. Then it's floating it? around. Yeah. yeah. How about Dennis? If you guys don't know who Dennis Charles is, check out Dennis Charles. He plays music on the drums. <laughs> anyway. Um, how did you meet him, and did you just kind of more or less hang with him, or did you take formal lessons with him, or were you just in New York and would listen to him and absorb things by going out to his gigs? Yeah, the, la- the All last of the one. above. I, I used to just, I was in New York towards the end of his life, and used to go hear him all the time and hang out with him. And he was so amazing because he would, uh, he would take a solo on the drums, and people would just walk, you know, people who don't like jazz, never heard jazz or anything, never aren't into the drums, would just walk into the club by what... Just what was, they were hearing. What they were hearing. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything complicated. It wasn't, you know, he didn't have a lot of chops. He sort of had his own technique. But he had the spirit about his playing and this melodic sense that just... I've never heard anything like it. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. just amazing. And he's a great... Great person. Yeah. Great stories, yeah. Right on. Right on. And his his main thing was uh his his biggest influence was Art Blakey. He used to always talk about <coughs> Blakey and hanging out with him. Wow. And he, he sat really, really high behind oh, the yeah, drums yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he, like this is how he would play. <laughs> he's gonna demonstrate how Dennis Charles sat behind the drums. <laughs> it was almost like he was standing up. Uh. first he would hold his sticks. Like this. Like wow. He'd up, he'd be, and he'd be sitting like this. <laughs> so like How the hell? Like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? <laughs> he had his own technique. Wow. He was West Indian. He was West Indian? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, from the Caribbean. From, uh, okay. I think exactly where. St. Thomas or something. St. Croix. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Sorry. And like that. that Triangle playing on Magic of Juju. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I know that. Mm-hmm. That's Caribbean. That's like that West West Indian. That's incredible.
open it up to the audience. Does anyone have any questions for Chad? It's okay if you don't, but yes, sir. Definitely curious about the vibraphone and traps at the same time, and if there was uh, any difference either with the way things had to be set up um, at gigs or rehearsal and, of course, practice, but left side, you know, or right side. I was just telling Tim about that. I mean, when I did do that, I would set up the vibraphone on the right side, <coughs> you know, when I was young and, and a little naive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did a lot of gigs like that. And, and uh, I think the way it started, I was, oh, I was doing a rehearsal with Rob in the, in the old tortoise loft. And Noel Cooper Smith was supposed to play bass and he just, he didn't show up. So we're like messing around. It's like, okay, let me put the vibraphone over here. And, you know, and it just sort of, I just got into this thing and did it for many years. And one time I was in Europe doing it and, and John Betts was in the audience. And after the gig, he came up to me, he said, man, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That's like incredible, but you can't do that anymore. You got to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, no, man, what are you talking about? I'm not going to stop. You know, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. And then sure enough, about eight months after that, I kept on doing it. And I had these serious back issues, you know, where my back would just go out. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's right. <laughs> that's, that's, the end of that. that's the end of that, you know. But it was fun. It was, you know, it was fun while, when I did it. It's a good segue. I, I've been having some like physical problems when I'm playing sometimes. Do you have like a sort of like wellness thing to you do like to keep yourself in shape with drums or do you meditate? Do you have any like sort of practice? Um play the drums. That's my cure. <laughs> I'll tell you straight like when I there's one time I was supposed to do uh I, I was gonna be out for six weeks. I was doing a tour of Fred Anderson Right after that, a tour with Matsna Roberts. Right after that, I don't remember the third tour, maybe it was Cooper Moore or somebody. I had going to be on the road six weeks. A week before, I lost all the feeling in my right hand. I had like tendonitis. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. You're going to be okay. All you have to do is not play the drums for six weeks. And I got like a brace and I wore it like really tight and I just played, did the gig, played every night and... It was cool. Now, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, I'm recommending that. But that, that's what I did. I, I just play through the, you know, whatever is uh, happening and play through it. Anyone else? Yeah. I saw you guys, uh, Digital Primitives. Oh, yeah? Open for Grinder Man. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, you were there in... Uh... That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah. Metro. Oh, it was at the Metro. Okay, yeah, right. And that, like, blew my mind. 
I had never, I didn't know who you guys were. I was just like, wow, right, nice. and then right. I saw you, and I was like, wow. what's going on with that band? Like, I saw you have records out there, but like, I never see. Uh, yeah, we don't really play in the states. Uh, mostly play in Europe. There's too much arts funding here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they stay in Europe where there's less money. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's a fun band. We're actually the first time. I think uh, the Vision Festival in New York is honoring Cooper Moore oh, this year. Okay. So we are, we are, we're actually going to play in New York City uh, for the Vision Festival. But yeah, we haven't played in probably six, seven years. And and uh, but that was yeah, that was a great. What happened is we played a festival, the All Tomorrow's Parties, and uh, Nick Cave was there and he saw the band and he he was like you guys are opening up for me <laughs> wow. like okay super cool, cool. yeah it was, it was awesome all right any other questions for chad Nick? i've always been interested in your symbols it's no mystery did you uh by chance come across those sounds searching for particular sounds like i want a bright sound i want a more of a matte finish dry sound or is it just like, you know, it just kind of showed up and I've just been using these? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Nick, I got, I think I've, talk, I've talked to you about this. I have, I probably have 10 or 15 cymbals. And I have a, a couple old Ks and, and old A's and I never play any of them. <laughs> I just play these <laughs> two cymbals. And I, I, I try to like swap them, but my ears are so used to, not these cymbals, these are some amazing cymbals that belong to Tim, but my, my regular cymbals that I use, I just can't get, uh, yeah. And it, you know, it's so hard to travel now with cymbals, but I still do it, even though I have to pay the extra fee sometimes, because I'm just so used to the sound of my cymbals. Ted. Chad. <laughs> no, seriously, I love this guy. Um, you've been all you've been all over the world. How many countries do you think you've played in? A lot of countries. You've experienced so many different cultures and so many people, and you've had the, had the experience of having those people receive your music and <clears throat> who you are and your soul. So, I'm interested as. Uh, since you signed the call that I asked you to sign for uh, refusefascism.org, mm -hmm. I'm interested, um, how do you see your, the role of the artist and the musician in, uh, in the society as you've come to this point and moving forward? Do you see if you're, have you thought about whether your role is going to change? And if so, how? You can answer one or one No, I think it's a very important question. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. One of the th yeah, as an artist who who travels a lot, um, you really see America through a different lens. Definitely, you know. And I feel like if people traveled as much as artists do, this would be a completely different country because that. people just don't know any. They just don't know any bit. They just don't know. And so I think we have a responsibility as artists to tell people, talk to people, and let them know what is out there and, and also the, the view of, uh, 
well, how other people view our country. Because I, I feel like America is so isolated. Definitely. And we're getting more and more isolated, and and we just need to communicate, you know, with people and let them know what what's happening. And it's not it's not easy, you know. I mean, I don't I don't know exactly how to do it, but I I, I feel like that that's important. This is my thing, you know. America has never failed. That that is that's a big thing you know there are these countries all over the world America is such a young country but these countries all over where they they appreciate art they appreciate culture they appreciate life because they have gone through so much you know wars and things yeah. and and have lost that they've lost art right right you know we in America we've just been on like okay we're just up, you know, we're just progress, 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 and uh, we don't really appreciate what you know culture and art because we haven't lost it, um, which is really sad to me. But I, I feel like we we really need to just talk with people <coughs> and uh, let them know what what what, what uh, where we stand and what, where we're at. Thank you.